Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Ethan Suplee. Welcome to American Glutton. Outside of acting, my two favorite things to do are diet and eat. I have a very complicated relationship with food, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about all of it. Food as entertainment. Food as sport. Food as fuel. I'll talk to experts and the average person, just like you and me. Hi, this is Ethan Suplee. Welcome to the American Glutton Podcast. I'm here with Paige, who is my wife's proxy. I didn't think doing this with my wife would be a good idea. She wanted to make sure I didn't get canceled for whatever reason. And um, I felt that I needed someone here that I could say shut up to without winding up sleeping on the couch. So Paige is here to keep me in line and to make sure I'm coherent, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, you definitely. Can do that? I think you feel so. Confident in this? I feel confident I can keep you in line, make sure that you don't say anything crazy and report back to your wife. <laughs> right. And basically all the crazy shit that my wife wants me to do, you're just going to tell me to do now. Basically, okay, yeah. Okay, good. So, first I want to say I'm not a nutritionist or a dietitian. So, I will only be speaking from my experience and the things I've read and learned. And I'm going to present my kind of dietary bona fides, as it were. But, you know, another thing is my good friend Michael Malice said, don't call it a diet. He said, call it a regimen because regimen has the word men in it and diets are for chicks. I don't know if I should just call it all a regimen, but we want chicks to listen to this too. Um, 100%. Chicks go on regimens. Yeah, of course. Regim- I feel that I don't say regimen well, so I'm probably just going to call it a diet. I think diet is a more universally understood term. Right. I'm glad you brought up universals. I do not like universal truth claims. And the way I understand science is science presents evidence of things. Science is not in the business of proving or disproving anything. It's in the business of presenting evidence. And further, I understand science by looking at Newton's two-body problem, which math can solve. So you have two bodies, for instance, the Earth and the Moon. And based on their proximity, their weight, all the factors, their velocity, you can do a mathematical problem that tells you where these two things are going to go in relationship to each other. You follow? 
Yes. Okay. There is something called the three-body problem, which there is no math for. Once you enter in a third body, the Earth, the Moon, and the Sun, there is no mathematical equation that can tell you where all three things are going, and this goes out exponentially. So as far as diets go, we have to assume everybody has the same metabolism, the same sleep patterns, the same hydration, the same activity level. So I don't like universal truth claims. I don't like an idea that says this is the best for everyone because I haven't found that to be true. Mm -hmm. I've done tons of diets and diets work. So if we think about universals, the universal of calories in, calories out is pretty true. And most diets adhere to that. But then there's a lot of nuance that isn't discussed, like adaptive thermogenesis or metabolic adaptation, where you enter less calories and your body starts working to use less calories. Therefore, your deficit becomes smaller. Can you explain adaptive thermogenesis one more time? <laughs> I feel like we've gone off in a direction. Okay. Thermogenesis is the burning of energy. Okay. You eat something, and your body actually has to heat up to use that energy. Basically, a calorie is a certain amount that it takes to raise the temperature of something. So calorie is a unit of energy, right? Your mm -hmm. body burns fat, proteins, and carbohydrates. But when you look at a package and it says 230 calories, that means it requires your body to produce that much energy to use this fuel. That's thermogenesis. Adaptive thermogenesis is when your body functions at a set rate, whatever that is. Let's call that X, right? So every day your body is burning that many calories just to maintain your weight, right? Whatever okay. your weight is, your body has to have a certain amount of energy. If you lessen that energy, that energy input, like if you put less gasoline into your car, your car cannot drive as far, right? But the body's so much smarter than a car. If you put less energy into your body in the form of food, your body will try to adapt by becoming more efficient at burning energy. So therefore, your base rate, your base metabolism will go down. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So is this the idea that we all learn when we're doing a diet of like you have to basically if you eat less, your body goes to other places in your body to use that for fuel? Yes. I mean, the whole point of a diet is to use the stored energy. Fat is just stored energy. And there's a great theory called the thrifty gene theory, which is on basically how we evolved to store energy. The theory is that over time, because of, you know, however many historical and prehistorical famines that human beings suffered, the genes that kept coming into play were genes that said, store more fat, energy. Some caveman is out in the woods, he's just eaten half a bison, he's full, and he comes across a berry tree that's full of berries his stomach goes, let's make room for the berries because we need to store that energy. And he can eat the whole fucking berry tree even though he's not hungry because the genes are telling him we need to store energy because if there's a famine, we're going to die, right? Okay. So your body is really, really good at storing energy. And if you withhold energy, it's going to 
use less energy. So if you need 2,000 calories to maintain your weight and you withhold 1,000 calories, your body's going to figure that out pretty quick and you no longer need 2,000 calories to maintain your weight. Literally, all of your functions slow down. You know, they've done all kinds of studies where they show a person walks an average of 10,000 steps a day and then goes on a diet and their average goes down. And they're not thinking, I don't have energy or whatever. It just goes down because their body is going, slow down. We need to use this energy more wisely because maybe, you know, historically all these famines that we survived, we need to survive this famine that's being entered into us. The body doesn't know that it's a, an analytical decision to withhold calories. The body thinks you're starving. Yeah. So when you say calories in, calories out, it's not just that simple because your body's going to figure that out and game you right back. So there's that. As I was saying, universal truth claim, yes, calories in, calories out. If you eat less calories than you burn, you're going to lose weight. But all the factors that go into that are, are interesting and nuanced, and you have to figure out ways to comport that into your life, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe keto works for you, or maybe low fat works for you, or who knows? All these things work, intermittent fasting, all of this stuff, as long as you are maintaining a higher energy expenditure than input, you're going to lose weight. That's a universal claim. That's been what I've found to be true. I just said I don't like universally objective truth claims. I don't like them, but I found that one to be pretty accurate. Anyway, my bona fides on dieting or regimens for Michael Malice, <laughs> I guess the first diet I was ever on, I was five years old. I had not thought about food really other than enjoying food up until that point. And I went to visit my grandparents in Vermont and they were kind of shocked at the state of me. Now, back then, this was like late 70s, early 80s, the fat version of me at five years old was probably closer to what the average is today at five years old. But back then it was startling. You know, there weren't a lot of fat kids back then, certainly not as many as there are now. And so they weighed me, and they were just shocked. I have no idea what the numbers were, but their response was not good. And they started limiting my food. So I learned really quickly that if I wanted a second helping of lasagna, when I cleared my plate, I had to eat it in the kitchen without them seeing that I was not supposed to have that second helping of lasagna. And I was also made to walk every day. You know, at five years old, they didn't have a TV in Vermont. They were like, you know, lived out in the woods. So I would have been outside all day. But beyond outside and playing, I was made to go on a walk, which was, quote unquote, exercise, mm -hmm. which I hated. I did not like being put on this forced march every morning. So those habits that I created based on those circumstances when I was five I brought back with me to California when I came home, and I just started practicing sneaking food. I had this idea now that food was something that people didn't want me to have, so if I wanted to have more, I needed to do it privately, and it became something that I was withholding from people. I actually realized later in life that much of my binge eating came on my own. When I was a teenager, I'd go out to a nightclub with my friends. 
I never really felt comfortable eating in front of people. But when I'd go home, I'd always find a 24-hour drive-through and eat three meals, you know, in my car when I got home right before bed, which, you know, today seems crazy because I don't eat after dark now. Wow. Um, so those kind of behavioral things lasted until I was 10 at 10. My father told me that if I broke 200 pounds, he was going to put me on a diet, which I did at 10. And I was put on something called OptiFast, which I don't think exists anymore. SlimFast might be a version of or might have grown out of OptiFast. But OptiFast was, you know, you show up at a place once a week and you get your shakes and you're allowed to have diet soda. I was not allowed to have soda at all in my house. So having diet soda was this like magical thing. And you could have as much diet soda as you want. And your meals were all liquid. They were shakes. And I started losing weight. And then at some point, there was some group therapy aspect. And I was for sure the youngest person there. And my mom was like kind of freaked out. But I was like, no, this is great. I'm actually enjoying this. I can do this. I wasn't cheating on it. I was losing weight. I was fine with it. And my mom didn't like it. So she pulled me off of it. Then I had a big upsurge of weight gain. And I kind of didn't think about weight loss again until I was like 20. I just, it just wasn't something I thought about. I became enormous and I definitely had a lot of trouble, you know, flying like Southwest was a nightmare because they didn't have first class. I'd have to get seatbelt extensions. I remember once I got a seatbelt extension and even with the seatbelt extension, I couldn't get it closed. I'd always buy two seats. Um... And I was doing a lot of drugs also, which was probably not good. I was just kind of like, you know, numbing myself out with food, alcohol, Mm -hmm. and drugs and stuff. And uh, health wasn't something I ever thought about. So your grandparents were obviously concerned in putting you on a diet. Your parents were obviously concerned in putting you on a diet. Did you have, did kids make fun of you? Like, did you deal with that? Because... I mean, personally, that's what I had as a kid. It's like my nickname was Roly-Poly-Pagey and things like that. So for me, it was always kids. My parents didn't really care. So did you have that at all? No, because if a kid my own age made fun of me, I would just fight them. Right. (laughs) Um, I did have one. I I mean, I remember it very well to this day of being like 10 or 11 and walking by a preschool and having little kids— who obviously I couldn't fight, say, oh my God, he's so fat. Look at him, he's fat. Um, but I, I, really, I really only have one single memory of that coming from little three or four-year-old kids who were off limits of punching. Sure. And I don't remember it happening often with kids. Like I wasn't fighting every day because people were calling me fat. So that wasn't really an issue, mm-hmm. you know? There was certainly, like, I had a good friend who who came to me and, and said, like, oh, I met this guy. He's this Beverly Hills doctor. He's got this great diet. You want to do it? I've, I've paid for it. Go meet him. You're going to have a private meeting with this guy. And I went and met the guy, and the diet was, like, I think two, two or three ounce cans of tuna as a meal with a cracker. And, and when I was meeting with him, he took this like big 1.5 liter bottle of water and he said, do not put a single drop of 
lemon in this water, think of lemon as urine. Like, would you drink this water if you had a drop of urine in it? And I said, no. And he said, good. So nothing goes in this water. You drink only water. You eat these little cans of tuna and you get a cracker. And at some point on that diet, I went to visit a friend in Thailand. He was working there. And I had like fucking 40 little cans of tuna in my bag (laughs) and crackers. And I was totally dead set on going to Thailand and staying on this diet. I had lost weight and and my buddy paid for it. So I was like not going to let him down. Meanwhile, I guess I enjoyed having lost weight, but it wasn't my decision. So it was just something I was doing. I got to Thailand and the first day in Thailand was like this 24-hour day, which had like Muay Thai fights, the Koh Sam Road, which is like this crazy road with like, you know, this is the 90s. So there's like the first version of an internet cafe existed, just like a a really bizarre day, which ended with me getting a cheeseburger at room service, going like, I'm not going to be in Thailand eating fucking canned tuna. Right. I didn't get Thai food. I got a cheeseburger, which is kind of disappointing. <laughs> so that was a diet I did. At some point in 2002, I'd gotten sober and I think I got offered to play Little John in a version of Robin Hood that was going to star Jim Caviezel as Robin Hood, which was really exciting. And I, I actually think it might have been Robin Hood set somehow loosely around the Revolutionary War in the Pacific Northeast. And there was like Fort Ticonderoga and Ethan Allen lore, which I kind of grew up knowing about because my grandparents lived in Vermont. So all of this was tied in there somehow. And Jim Caviezel was going to be in it and I was going to be in it. And I think the financing fell apart and I had never met Jim Caviezel. So I was flying to Romania to do Cold Mountain. I think it was like the second time I was going back to Romania. I'm in the first class lounge at Lufthansa in LAX, and in walks Jim Caviezel. And we had never met, but we were going to do this movie, so we knew who each other were, and he introduced himself, and we sat and talked a bit, and I was getting really strange vibes from him. We're on the same plane to Frankfurt. I don't know where he was going, but I was going to Romania, and we had to fly to Frankfurt first, and he was going somewhere else. And at some point... You know, first class on the plane was pretty empty, and he was not sitting next to me. But at some point, he got up and came because the seat next to me was open. And he sat down, and he started talking to me about how he in his life emulates Jesus Christ. And that if you don't do that, you're going to go to hell. And basically, the gist of it was, I was not emulating Jesus Christ. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And it was the first conversation of that nature that I'd ever had with somebody. Nobody'd ever talked to me like that. Nobody'd ever said, you know, look at yourself. You're going to fucking hell. Wow. With, I mean, you don't care about yourself at all. You're a mess, yeah. basically. He wasn't mean, but it was, a, it was a thing I had not experienced. I remember landing and going, that was an awful experience. Why, what am I going to do, fight Jim Caviezel? I mean, he didn't call me a fat ass or anything. You know what I mean? He didn't say anything that I could have challenged him to a fight over. But I was so, like, knocked on my ass by this conversation that I literally was like, I don't want to ever allow somebody to feel that they can talk to me that way again. He was probably coming from a place of love, you know. Yeah, I was going to say genuinely concerned. Totally. Or, yeah. I hold no ill will against him. By the way, the fucking conversation worked because I then went on a diet. The first diet that I went, oh, uh, I have, uh, I have this chink in whatever version of imaginary armor I'm wearing, and I haven't been thinking about that. And here comes this guy who sits down and says all this stuff to me and I didn't enjoy it. And I'm not saying he's right or that my decision had anything to do with Jesus Christ, but my decision was, I don't want people to feel that they can talk to me like that. again. I, I just want to guard myself against that. And then I also had a big relapse in Romania. It was like a total meltdown. And I came back and I got sober and I went on a diet and I went on a liquid diet. And I actually had like a full month off of work at that point. We were in Romania for like seven or eight months. And I had a month down and I think I lost like 50 or 60 pounds. You can actually see it in Cold Mountain. There are scenes of me early on. And then I have lost a good amount of weight in the later scenes. And I basically did this liquid diet for a couple of months and then... You know, it's it's so similar to drugs and alcohol and yet so different because if you want to get sober, you stop drinking, you stop doing drugs, and you're sober, and you just stay away from them. You cannot do that with food. So there was a, a lot of following that, a lot of time spent on all the diets from like 2002, basically to today, the blood type diet, fit for life something beach diet there's a beach south diet. beach south diet, beach diet. Mm -hmm. um the zone diet atkins you know and then later it was keto and paleo and all of these things intermittent fasting i did so i did all these things and 
Some of them were certainly easier than others. By the way, I lost a shitload of weight. I went from 530 to at my lowest 220 and I was riding bicycles every day. I rode most of the stages of the Tour de France, was riding my bike around Europe, could ride 100 miles a day, six days a week, was fucking thin, mm-hmm. skull and bones thin. At 220, I was very, very thin. And then my wife said, this isn't the job, you know. Uh, my name is Earl had been canceled, and I was like, well, fuck, I'm just going to ride my bike now. And after a couple of years of that, she said, you have to go work. Like, we're not (laughs) rich people. You have to get a job. Mm -hmm. And um, I kind of went back and people were like, well, we don't know who you are. You're like, you're not what we were enjoying before. And I definitely struggled with work because of that for for a while. And then I started lifting weights a little bit and put on some weight and started working again. And then at some point I was like, well, fuck I'm just going to get fat again because maybe it'll be better for work. And honestly, it was. Yeah, because we were uh, we were all used to you at your my name is Earl weight or more or what. Sure. How much were you when you were on that? My name is Earl. I think I started my name is Earl not so heavy in the beginning. I was uh, maybe 290 pounds in the first season of my name is Earl. But by the end of my name is Earl, I had gained a bunch of weight. I was mm-hmm. probably closer to 400 at the end of that. And then I lost it again, uh, riding bikes. And then I gained it again. I mean, I've gained and lost probably close to a thousand pounds at this point. Yeah. And I've done all the diets. Mm -hmm. If you, if you have a diet, I have done the diet. Blood type. Blood type, Beverly (laughs) Hills, Hollywood, by the way, some of these diets are crazy. Beverly Hills, you you eat fucking pineapple for like a number of days. Yeah, I did it too. <laughs> it's a crazy diet. Yeah. What a fucking crazy diet. Mm-hmm. You know there's a water diet now? I haven't done that, but I heard there's a water diet where it's just like how simple is that? Drink water yeah. and you're on a diet. And can I ask you a question? Yeah. So how much of it like – because I, you know, you can lose and gain weight because you're concerned about your appearance. And how much for you at different times was it ever about your health? Like, were you concerned? Oh, I'm, I could have a heart attack, or you know, like in your bigger stages, was it health or was it more just how you looked and how people saw you? I quit drugs because I had a health scare. I don't think I ever dieted from a place of health. I, I was doing keto at one point, where but I was eating like a lot of salami and cheese and doing like some kind of bullshit version of keto and my cholesterol went up. And so I changed it and did like a, I guess a clean version of keto and my cholesterol went down. That, that was kind of probably the only tweak I ever did because of health. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a big concern. I wasn't pre-diabetic or anything like that. I was very unhealthy when I was doing drugs, but then just as a fat guy, I wasn't super unhealthy. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I'm now doing low fat for the first time. I, I think the, the last time I tried low fat was like 2003 mm-hmm. and uh, I haven't done anything like that. And, and it's wild. And there's so many different variations of diets, you know, that are all totally valid and can work and figuring out how they fit into your life I think is important. So I'm really interested in 
talking to people and, and finding out, you know, does somebody have a tip that could help me and take me to the next level of what I'm doing? The other thing that, that has been kind of revolutionary for me has been the idea of food as a, a functional thing. I read an article which, you know, kind of highlighted a number of similarities that Rome had right before it collapsed. And then it picked certain things that are similar to society in America today. And one of them was an obsession with food. And now this could be totally anecdotal. There's no way to say that, you know, once a society becomes obsessed with food, it's doomed to collapse. I, I, I don't know. But it was an interesting thing to look at. And I think that when, when you look at, like, poor countries and people are literally working every day to eat, there isn't a whole lot of that in America. Food is so cheap here and so abundant. And, you know, you can go see overweight homeless people right now. I'm not saying that malnutrition and hunger don't exist in America, but they're so, so utterly low compared to like a third world country that I think something shifts and, you know, we look at food as almost as like entertainment and it's not a functional thing as much here. So, you have countries that have no obesity, are not super obsessed with food, because food is still a functional thing. And here, it's now like, how much entertainment can you get out of your food? By the way, I love to cook and I love to eat. Me and my brother-in-law have been talking about sous vide a pork belly, and we're like very excited about this. And so like that planned cheat meal is exciting because we're going to get creative about it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We're going to do some crazy shit to this pork belly <laughs> and then we're going to eat it. And me and him might eat it by ourselves. Like <laughs> right. it could be us sitting on the kitchen floor eating a fucking five pounds of basically bacon that we've sous vide and then fucking crisped in the oven under the bro. Like, but that's insane also. Right. You know what I mean? That's not functional. That's just for my enjoyment. That's entertainment. That's not what food is. Food is an energy source. It's like gasoline. If you, if you drive a hot rod car, maybe you need to put some kind of additive in your gas or get the high octane gas or whatever. You need some kind of fancy gas if you're driving on a racetrack. But like I get the cheapest gas there is because what the fuck do I care? You know what I mean? I just get a new car when the engine doesn't work. Like I'm not fucking putting gas in it thinking about that. Yeah. It's fuel. Who cares if my car thinks one tastes better? I don't give a shit. It's fucking an energy source. Mm -hmm. If I have to drop my kid off at school, I am not thinking about what gas my car wants to have. But I'll tell you what, my kid is thinking about what she wants to taste for breakfast, how she wants breakfast to entertain her, mm -hmm. and how she wants to stop at Starbucks because they have, you know, they serve fucking milkshakes for breakfast. And this is how huge portions of America are entertained with food. And so I try very hard to, in this moment, think about food as an energy source. And I think about how many calories I'm going to eat every day. And I think about the macronutrients, how much protein am I getting? And that's by far my most important macronutrient right now. And then how many carbs and how much fat I'm allowed after I've figured out my protein. 
and it, it's just a whole new way of thinking about food. So I, I am consistently not allowing myself to be entertained. And then occasionally I'll have a cheat meal, which I just go like balls to the wall entertainment. Just like how can I satisfy every base emotional instinct physically in my body by this fucking abundance of fat and carbohydrates and salt, you know? Yeah. Macronutrients for me are proteins, fat, carbohydrates, and fiber. And basically I have an allotment of calories every day. And within that, I have broken these things down in such a way as to help me uh, feel good, maintain muscle mass, lose fat, exercise in the gym, do the cardio I need to do. And if I was going to go do a bunch more cardio, I would change up my macros. If I was going to try to build muscle, I would change up my macros. I would probably also increase my calories quite a bit. That's where I'm at today. Food is a a functional fuel that I use to live. And, th and that's how I'm thinking about it right now. Now, I say that and I, I know at some point I'm going to go, fuck this. Let's gain 50 pounds and have a good time because I'll have a different goal then. My goal right now is a six pack and I'm not far off. Yeah. Pretty fucking close actually. So, you know, it's an utterly vain goal. I don't care. Who cares? I've never had a, a vain goal like that before. So I have my vain goal. I'm going after that. I want to deadlift twice my weight. I'm basically there. You know, these are my stupid goals. They're completely arbitrary. They're meaningless. But I'm using food as a fuel right now. I want to talk to other people. I want to find out how I can make myself more efficient. Those are my dietary bona fides. I'm interested. I'm experienced. And I'm going to say a lot of stupid shit I regret. And you're going to check me so I don't get canceled. A hundred percent. Yeah. Now, what's your question for me? I feel like there are so many pieces of information that like get stuck in our minds, like just things that we as dieters always hear, you have to do this, this, this. So just tell me something that is a useful piece of information that you apply. Like I remember one time you were on some diet and you told me when you travel that you like when you land, you'd order Instacart, like get a delivery of the right foods that you need to your hotel or, you know, so like what's something useful that you do that helps you stick to what you're doing? If I'm in the midst of a strict diet, I, I remember when I was doing that, I think I was going to San Francisco or New York or something. Um, I do a lot of research. Where am I going? What's around there? What can I eat? I did a movie in Louisiana recently and uh, I visited every Whole Foods that's what I did. I went to Whole Foods and I would eat their salad bar. And that's where I got the majority of my food. You know, that's kind of fucking boring, but... No, but that makes sense. Research where you're going, know what's around you. You can be prepared so you can stick to the thing you want to do. Well, this was um, episode one of American Glutton. Thanks for listening. I'm Ethan Suplee, and as always, joined by my chaperone, Paige Dorian. Follow us on Instagram at American Glutton Podcast. Sincerely. Hold up. What was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.